This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Next Lander podcast. I'm Vinny Carvella. I am here. I am... Uh, 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 crawled out. I've built my way out of my Zelda hole. Uh, I've descended from the Skylands. They're calling them Skylands? I'm no. calling them Skylands. You're, you're a Skylander is what you're saying? I have always been a Skylander. Um, a mix, one of those mix and match ones. Alex Navarro, how are you? Oh, you know, I'm just out here taking suicide dives off of giant floating islands into very cushiony pools of water, apparently. Uh, very cushiony. Brad Shoemaker, how are you? Uh, floating. It's gracefully... Ever yeah. floating through yes. the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen a lot. We'll get to... Uh, we're going to get to uh, uh, Tears of the Kingdom in a little bit here, along with Humanity and some Cooks Are Forever a little later on. But um, you knew this was going to happen before we get to the actual meat of the of the Tears of the Kingdom, but... Tell boy, me about the, the meat. The videos of people just uh, creating phalluses and uh, all sorts of things. Crucifying Koroks. Yep, yep. Just, you know, you knew it was going to happen, and it sure did. Uh, So it's it's funny to see those videos uh, go up there. Anything else before we jump in here? Um, 
Uh, I have. No, uh, man. This is really, what's been consuming my life the last didn't, week. Didn't expect to go straight to the flaming wiener. <laughs> no one ever does. Kind of thought we would build up to it, but, you know. Certainly, uh, if there is one viral video that has been dominating the conversation well i have seen i have seen, well i have seen a couple of flaming wieners so is it the one where they explode the person ex- yes. explodes with the flaming wiener yes, the, the, wicker, the flaming wiener wicker man explodes uh hang on can you repeat that the flaming the wicker man wiener, wiener explodes flaming wiener wicker man i just need to write this down uh either one put it in any order you like the old f at w w m e got it Fwemi. <laughs> Fwemi. Uh Let's just jump in there then. If you're listening, we're going to talk about uh, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. We're going to get in here. We might have some spoiler stuff, but I mean, it's Zelda. There's None of us really... are that far in. At None this of us point, are that far know? in. Um, just to let you know where I'm at, I just finished the first quote-unquote dungeon. Uh, are you, any of you guys past that? I'm not past that, but I'm on my way to that first dungeon. Okay. And then, Brad, you're not past that yet, right? I... I have taken a detour. Okay. On this game. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we should we should talk about this game before we talk about that. Well, okay. so, so so people know I'm going to say no, Brad. You were not past that part. No, for spoilers. no. I I dabbled. I dabbled with the very beginning of the game a little bit, like the stuff on the stream that we did. Uh huh. And then I somehow unexpectedly fell back into Breath of the Wild. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, that's and fair. So somehow I have been playing a shitload of that instead, and I mean a lot. They are somewhat related video games, so it does make yes. sense. Yes. Uh, I never finished that game, and I'm realizing now that I think this might be my only chance. Sure, to yeah. To do so. I, I don't know if I'm, you'd want to go back to it. I'm, I'm getting the extremely strong sense that you might not be able to go backwards here. Yeah, so I guess let's talk about Tears of the Kingdom. So far, I'm having kind of a... Um, uh, a sputtery time with it, I'd say. Like my, my my history with Breath of the Wild is, I liked it. I didn't love it as much as some people. Um, you know, I wasn't. Uh, it's not my favorite game of all time, but I do really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, this one I am finding so similar to Breath of the Wild that it's almost I'm almost a little um, having a hard time getting so into it. Like even narratively, huh. the hmm. setup. Uh, you know, obviously the mechanic with building stuff uh, is very new, but even some of the powers feel a little um, too familiar uh, t- for me. And it just seems like they reset the narrative and are just redoing Breath of the Wild. That you're again. describing the Legend of Zelda. Yeah, I am kind of, there's kind of that. Yes. Yeah. Well, but but also even like you know what is the closest analog to this game? Majora's Mask, right? Like inarguably. Yeah, but the the other major example of a Zelda game basically taking the same map and world, yeah, and grafting and new mechanics it. onto it. But like that game did, I mean, I assume Ganon is probably in there in some form at some point. But like that game did come up with pretty wildly different stuff. I mean, the to mechanics gra- to graft onto Ocarina. The mechanics of this game are pretty wildly different with the build mechanic and and the sticking stuff together. To me, it's just, listen, I put a lot of time into Breath of the Wild, um, chased down a lot of stuff, and there's something about just hitting Link over the head with a frying pan, having him lose all of his stamina, heart, and memory of everything he's found. I think what did it was opening up the album again and being like, oh my god, you want me to take pictures of everything again? Of everything again? You want me to, you want me to... 
I took I took pictures of everything the first time. But it's different now. Now it's all in the sky. It's totally different. Uh, but it's now. But it's all the same stuff on the ground too. So that that was a little deflating. Being like, could you could you have just brought in my album? No, I have because to take there's a picture new of challenges every, attached to all that. Just stuff. add the new challenges into the thing and let what, me. Your, your horse, your horses are not enough. Is that not enough for you? You know, you can't put a harness on a pona. Which is, hey, listen, you can't put a harness on a pona, but you also can't put a harness on a pona, which I get because it's, I think a, a pona is the amiibo horse. So I guess you dropping in a, a sick horse from an amiibo. But uh, I, listen, I'm not coming out here to say I don't like this game. I'm just saying I think I maybe it wasn't long enough and I'm still. Well, <laughs> was it 2017? It's been s- six years. Yeah. There are people that are going to come and burn your house down <laughs> for saying that. The, yeah, the, this the, is the Wicker Wiener Man is going uh-huh. to come for me. Not the reaction I was necessarily expecting to hear Look, about in here. Like I said, that- I don't I don't not like it. I'm just having like fits and starts of like I can put this game down. I I can play a bit and then oh, be yeah. like, ah, you know. Look, I, I finished the first one. I completed it the hell out of the first one. So uh I'm not coming at it being like, ah, another another Zelda game. I like the Zelda franchise. I'm just saying I think I wanted something a little more novel hmm it's interesting because i'm having kind of the opposite experience where i had a real hard time getting into a groove with breath of the wild specifically because of its extreme openness and unwillingness to generally be like hey this is probably the next thing you should go do well well, hang on i'm gonna jump in here because i am playing that game again like you may have forgotten that that game is more directed it has directed parts like it absolutely marks your map with the next quests the next major thing to do but also, there's a real, like, lackadaisical approach as far as, like, well, you could just go do this, or you could go do that, or whatever. And it's like, look, yes, it does have direction in it. It's just not directed the way that previous Zelda games were and the way that a lot of other open-world games tend to be. Well, the key difference, I mean, you know, there is a succession of story quests at the beginning of that game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's hey... I did those. Do, do these four shrines on the plateau and get the, the hang glider... Now go to Kakariko and talk to Empa. Now go to Hateno and talk to the lab people. Now to go do the Divine Beasts. And like yeah. that's that's probably the biggest differentiator is that it opens up when they give you the Divine Beasts and they're just like, hey, there's four bosses to go fight. There's four civilizations you should go talk to. Just go do them, I guess. Yeah. Like that's probably the point where it fans out so much that it, I guess I guess it could lose you. But, you know, they do they do give you specific objective indicators yeah. to go to. No, I know that, it's, and that is like, where it lost me last time, as I got yeah. to about that point, and I started just being like, I'm just kind of overwhelmed here, and there are other games that I think at that point where I was just a little more into, so I kind of stuck with those. But here, so, like, I'm jumping into this, and while I think the tutorial area is maybe a little laborious in terms of how long it drags you through the opening stuff, I have felt like I've managed to lock into a much better rhythm with the mm-hmm. mix of hey, I'm going to this next thing, but also there's some stuff along the way that I'm just going to do as I'm going and explore as I go. Like, I feel like I'm just locking in with this one better. So, like, what is, what is the story flow in terms of quest succession? Like, is it kind of one thing after another? In, in, tears? in, a, straight, in a straight path? Yeah. It's exactly what you just said for Breath of the Wild. You do your four huh. shrines on the Sky Islands. You, mm-hmm. you, hit the, you hit the ground. You go talk to Impa, or in this case, you go talk to the, the Impa equivalents. Uh, and then they give you four shrine, uh, four uh, quote unquote beasts to go do. Really? Uh, and then you're like, all right, go do these four. And I just did the the Rito one again, and was like, yep, here I am back here doing this dungeon, 
which again, I love the dungeons. I think they're fun. The puzzle solving's fun. Using the powers is fun. It's again that you can laugh you want all you want at me for saying the narrative in the Zelda game, but it is really that that structure is like yeah, totally very similar to Breath of the Wild, where I hope it opens up more after this first dungeon and the first you know uh, walk away power you get from that dungeon. But it just feels very similar uh, uh, to yeah. what I, what I had done. This- this is not a radical departure from the last game by any stretch. It's just something about, I think, the mix of powers they are giving you here and the things that you are being asked to play around with in different combinations. Maybe is just hooking me more. I don't yeah. know. I, I like it. I, I, yeah. like, I don't I don't dislike it. Um, it is it's goofy to go make your spear swords or your spear spear or mm-hmm. your uh uh your you know your flaming flaming spear whatever whatever silly thing you want whatever thing I, you want to set on fire and throw at a guy <laughs> you can do that but i'm running into the same stuff i had problems with in the first game and and i think what is burning me a little bit is like oh, i got past all these obstacles which is the limited inventory space you have so you're you're constantly doing triage on whether you want this item or not right so like oh this this one's two points higher than this one i should get this one um especially on the shield department, you know, until you open up more shield slots, I assume you will eventually in this game too. Uh, you're pretty weak out of the gate here. So three hearts doesn't go a long way in, in this game. And y- you can, you can quite easily find yourself, um, you know, dead, uh, from an encounter that you have to redo from not a great checkpoint, but it's not terrible. The checkpoint mm-hmm. is okay. It's, it's it, sometimes it's, it's better sometimes than others. You know, sometimes you'll make your way through like, two or three encounters and die and then be like, you're checkpointing me back at the first one. Um, and then, the uh, basically the, you know, your stamina wheel is all the way back to its beginning, but it's less of an issue here because of the mobility stuff they give you. I, I think I haven't gotten way into the crafting yet because I, while I can craft certain things, I have not yet unlocked whatever they're going to do. If they do it, the ability to get more of the Zonai parts whenever I need them. So while I can make a sick cart, I'm having trouble powering it or moving it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, while I can make a, uh, a balloon to take me up, um, it's of limited use right now for me. So hopefully that will get talking about the, You're talking about the battery stuff, basically, like more battery capacity. The Zonai part, yeah, the parts yeah. that would give me some locomotion or allow me to move a little better than, you know, with a sail or or, or kind of uh, catching that stuff. And Did I, you not grab a bunch of those from, like, the, the you know, the, the ball machine thing that, like, dumps a bunch of them out for you? I did. I grabbed some, but, uh, you know, I used them. You know, I, I grabbed oh, okay. a bunch. I grabbed a bunch of fans, and then uh, you know, I've I guess I just haven't really rockets. run into a situation yet where it's like I've I've been missing parts that I needed to build something. Well, it's not because I need to; it's because I want to, right? Like because mm-hmm. I, I just want to engage with it. I want to goof around in there and um, It'll change your opinion when you hear that an infinite item dupe exploit has already been discovered. <laughs> and <laughs> nah, would you use like, it? Um, I mean, if I was maybe maybe if I weren't doing it for a challenge, I would. You know, like I don't want to. I'm not trying to. I ha, I my favorite part so far has been there's the guy who's holding up the signs for the construction workers, mm-hmm. and uh, I, that's been my favorite build thing so far. Is like you basically have to prop up his sign. Yes, uh, I've and done I, that. I really enjoy those. Every time I see one, I get excited because those are fun uh, scaffolding building challenges that Woodworking, are woodworking, if you will. <laughs> yes, yes, those are super fun. Um, when I find the Korok who needs to go uh, reunite with the other Korok. I'll usually give it a try, and then once I burn through the available things that are there, I'll just mark it on my map and be like, I'll come back later when I have more pieces or more options here. So, 
Um, the dungeons, like I said, the dungeons are fun because you you get to use those powers in really creative ways. Actually, that wind dungeon I did was uh, a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, getting around the the power they give you around there, I thought was okay. Like it wasn't my favorite Zelda thing to have. Um, it's it's all right. Okay, <laughs> like. like like again, like I'm having an all right time with it, but I'm not o- head over heels in love with this um, uh, game. But I wasn't with the first one either. I'm wondering if maybe the difference I have is is that I just I did not burn myself that hard on the original Breath of the Wild. Like I played it, I liked it, and I definitely saw something I greatly admired in it. But it just for some reason at that time did not hit for me that way. So I didn't. I I got like maybe eight to ten hours into it total, and now playing this. I mean, I'm, it's not a game I haven't been able to put down. Like, it's a game I have been able to put down every, you know, when just play in, in chunks when I feel like playing it. But the thing is, I'm really digging what I'm doing here, mm. and this stuff does feel relatively novel to me because I didn't just do all of this before. And also, I guess I'm just not that burned by the idea of them taking away the hearts and the stamina and whatever because it's like, of course they're going to do that. It's a new game. I expected to walk in there and basically be say, you ain't shit now, go. What what is the what is the upgrade system for hearts and stamina in this? Is it exactly the same? It's it's four shrines get you one heart or one stamina. That's exactly the same. Yeah. Yes. So like, or or, or beat a dungeon will get you a heart, a container. So yeah, it's 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 extremely familiar. Um, which again, that's kind of it's not necessarily the biggest knock on it, but it is. I'm finding it a little like okay this is very much breath of the wild with which is a known which is what we knew right is breath of the wild with these new mechanics in it yeah Yeah, it's breath of the wild but it's a you know it's also a contraption generation machine which is a really wild thing the way they have built this stuff and the things you can kind of set loose in the world using those tools yeah how uh, how different does the map seem so far it's my memory is terrible on it like Like, you know, they, they like ice cream scoop some flying islands out of it at the beginning. So I'm wondering, like, as you're roaming the actual map, like the one from the first game, is it just pockmarked with these big missing areas or is it? Well, I mean, if you don't remember the first game as well, I guess that's yeah. hard to answer. Hard, hard to tell. I mean, like, like I guess I was over at the Rito village and, um, you know, it's different because of the narrative stuff that's going on there. But I couldn't tell you the landscape being, uh, you know, deformed or anything like that. Um. Yeah, the contraption building stuff is okay. I mean, look, we've played a lot of contraption building games. Uh, I think it's clever and smart and um, and useful. I also, and funny is and, the is and, the, and actually funny. honestly the most important thing to me is that if you're gonna do something like this and you give these people the kinds of tools that are like this, when those tools fail, it has to be funny. And just about every instance I've seen either of someone else building a thing and having it go incredibly haywire or my own instances of that has had pitch perfect fucking comedic timing. Like yeah. if I can at least go when yes. something I, I, I'm trying to build just explodes out of nowhere, then you have succeeded. And I think that is what maybe one of the greater successes of this thing is that it has pitch perfect comic timing for all the ways you can fuck up. Yeah, so it's like, like a weird tonal overlay on this game i think yeah because i mean i can't speak as much for this game i but i assume the tone is similar to the first one like they take themselves pretty seriously it's pretty somber yeah. like they, they are yeah somber solemn whatever compared to something like banjo nuts and bolts which pretty similar vehicle crafting but a just a ridiculous over-the-top surreal nonsensical thing you know like in that game 
making a dick car, <laughs> having it explode. Totally consistent with the milieu, right? But, but you know what? But, I don't think it's that far off because as much as like Link and Zelda and the main principles treat everything with deathly seriousness, everyone in Hyrule is a fucking idiot. Like, yeah, they everyone, are. They are flailing Monty Python extras, and they always have been to some degree. Yeah. But especially in these last couple, the way they're portrayed is that they are all just bumbling fools and wild dumb shit keeps happening to them. And so like the world itself does not feel that far afield from like, you know, the the kind of comedic stuff that is coming out of these weird building tools. Yeah, that, that's a fair point, actually. Like, as much as I played the first game recently, just going talking to people in different towns and stuff, like the game in general, I mean, specific characters, but also just the whole thing has got this kind of droll sense of humor to yeah. it. You know, just a lot of weird, pithy little one-liners between characters and stuff like that. So, yeah. There's enough tingle in the in Breath of the Wild and, and uh, Tears of the Kingdom to make it, uh, to add some levity to it. But yeah, I, I went... I'll say this about the contraption building stuff. You're right, Alex. When stuff goes haywire, it can be super fun. I've also found it a little tedious to have to rebuild something again. Uh, and I know there there are mechanics in place that I haven't gotten to yet to probably mitigate some of that. I just haven't gotten them yet. So that does make me just kind of walk away from something if uh, if <laughs> if I accidentally set this contraption I just spent 10 minutes building on fire. And then be like, oh my gosh, the thing just burned down. Okay, yeah. I'll I will come back to this challenge later, uh, and and do this again another time. Another time because, <laughs> like, it's the stuff that makes it funny is the stuff that can also make it frustrating. Uh, Pageley, yes, fires igniting for it's not devoid of frustration, but yeah. like I th- I think more often than not it hits the mark of well that was dumb <sighs> and doesn't just make me mad, you know? Yeah. Do Do they give you the ability right up front to save? designs and reproduce no. them or is that a later thing it seems no. like that's a later thing uh yeah they i don't have it uh and you know i i don't even know where you get it so um like neither I said, do i uh, uh hopefully you get it soon so yeah i I'm, I'm enjoying it i i think um i'm i'm finding the similarities to breath of the wild to be a little bit um um of a de- of a detractor for me like the, mm-hmm. that hewing that closely to everything uh i mean it splits off onto its own narrative which has some interesting parts but it's really a lot of beats from what i remember from the original story um and so maybe maybe things will diverge as we keep going i i retain the right to change my opinion uh maybe this is just a slow starter as we go but so far i'm liking it okay i'm not loving it which again was actually my similar take on breath of the wild when i played it um was like hey this is this is a really well done open world game but um you know that nintendo magic didn't didn't uh (laughs) didn't grab hold uh, of me see that's the thing is i think it is this time for me which is is weird i'm not exactly sure what it is that this one is like you said it isn't it is not a radically different game structurally from at least what I played of Breath of the Wild. It's just, I, maybe it's just the timing. Maybe it's coming at a time in my life where I'm more ready to just kind of go with whatever this game is trying to do. But yeah, it's hitting for me. And like, you know, I, I think that despite the fact that it is, you know, running on pejoratively, you know, a goddamn cell phone or whatever <laughs> people are calling the Switch these days, like they are ringing a lot out of those visuals. They are figuring out a way to make that stuff still pop in a way that I think is certainly one of the best looking things on that hardware and you know i'm i'm just i'm digging like the abilities and playing around with that stuff in a way that i think i wasn't as much in the in the first game i think it looks and sounds pretty great actually yeah Yeah. the music's excellent yeah 
I, I wanted to ask about some of the quality of life improvements, although if you don't have recent experience with the previous game, you might not remember. I think the example, recipes are better. For cooking? Yeah. Like, you, you can just hold an apple, go into the recipe, and then click it, and they'll hold four apples now. Oh, okay. That, yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty that's, big. They've streamlined that a little bit. That's a substantial quality of life. <laughs> yes, yeah. I yeah. can tell you. Like, I read that you, if you... If you're maxed on bows or swords or shields or whatever, and you try to pick up another one, it you just lets drop you drop one on the... Yeah. That is huge. So... Because that is, like, the thing in the first game, especially with as yeah. limited as the inventory you is there. You to throw it. <laughs> you literally... And it's not the, the shortest process to open a treasure chest and just see what's in there. Yeah. And you literally have to go through that entire process twice every time you're full on something. Yeah. So... So there's a little bit of, like... um Not a lot. And, and this isn't a big deal, but... There's a, there are a lot of abilities now and a lot of things to do, and it's a little bit of um, uh, finger spaghetti sometimes. Like, I, I hit the wrong button quite often when I'm trying to get into something. Like, you know, attaching something to your arrow, to your bow, uh, going into the right menu all the time. Uh, you know, I've got a couple of more than a few hours into it now, and I still will hit the wrong thing at the wrong time. Occasionally, it's not a huge deal. But, yeah, stuff like that is is okay, but it's not perfect. Because now they have the fusing ability, so occasionally you'll open a chest, be full, and be like, oh, the thing that I want in the chest, I want to be fused onto the base weapon I have in my hands, and in order to do that, I need to drop a thing, equip it, drop that thing, you know, swap them out, because... You know, fusing a base to an extra part, you get sometimes you will get the base properties of the swing, you know. So if you mm-hmm. have a spear as your base weapon, you're now using the thrust instead and and a sword at the end, you're thrusting the sword. Does that make sense? Like yes. you're you're inheriting the base properties. So it's you can't just say, okay, swap. You know, you open a chest and you're like, swap what's in there. I want to you know, use it. or put it on the ground next to me. Um, which you know, becomes into play only because of this fusing mechanic. Um, the going through the ceiling mechanic, I have found myself just like trying to exploit that as much as possible whenever I can, just jamming that on that me, button. That to me is maybe the wildest power. Even I love more that so thing. Than, than the, the building stuff because it's just like, it does feel like it just, you're cracking open their <laughs> level design in a way yeah. that absolutely is intentional, but feels unintentional. You I know like what I mean? That's another genre of viral video from this game. I mean, Twitter, I mean, obviously algorithms serve you things that you want to see already, but all I fucking see right now is viral videos of this game. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other genre of them is people exploiting that one. <laughs> yes. By like. I don't even know, like attaching like a hanging treasure chest to the bottom of a thing just to give you a surface that it'll let you warp through so you can. Mm-hmm. It's kind of why I'm trying to finish the first game and before like I'm basically want to finish the normal one before I go play the ROM hack. Yeah, because because once you play the ROM hack, you can't go back I, the yeah. normal one anymore. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to say, though, if you wind up finishing that first one, I mean, I mean maybe you'll power through it and not, you know, I, I would I would say don't complain go completionist on it but you know you'll want a certain amount of hearts to take on ganon by the end so you'll have to do some stuff um i wonder how you'll feel going into it like that's a lot of Zelda. that's a lot of breath of the wild at that point um it might it might be too much you know because uh how similar they are or maybe not maybe you'll be super yeah. excited to be able to jump through a wall an interesting experiment, let's say. I mean, yeah. I'm, I am I am one of those archetypal people who thinks it's one of the best games ever made. So okay, so I might have the appetite. I mean, 
like the magic is still there. I mean, for, first of all, like, you know, the, a lot of the discovery I went through six years ago, so mm. I'm kind of moving through it faster just because the novelty of the exploration and stuff has worn off. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's definitely hooked me again. I, uh, I, I have to remind myself of the abilities quite often, you know, like, especially the, the, um, rewind time one I, I always forget about that one which is you know comes into play in maybe fewer it certainly puzzles, has its uses but it has its uses for sure and um especially in places where you're like you know you have all these things that are kind of a outlandishly powerful uh and you, you know can can really change the balance of the game in, in striking ways and remembering you have them is often fun to remember that you're like oh shit i could j- I could just warp through this wall or I could just rewind this thing uh, back to where it came from is, is really fun. I, I mean, like, like I said, I'm enjoying the game. I just, um, the parts that are so similar, I find um, too similar. Uh, yeah. it, it, it just, just feels more like an echo than a new note, you know, like uh, I think I would have wanted something a little more striking in, in that department. Um, I mean, when you make one of the most beloved one of these ever i think it is understandable that you would want to do a riff on that for the next one and i think to me i mean and granted granted my opinion is being colored by the fact that i did not get that deep into the first one but i think that what they have done here at least in terms of mechanics feels like it justifies doing another spin around this vision of hyrule uh versus just trying to do a wholly new thing so it is not just this game that is going to be in this style. I don't know if you saw this Al Numa quote going around from this Game Informer interview last couple no. of days where he, he flat out said, like, hey, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom are the new template for Zelda. Like, this is what we are doing going forward. Like, this very open, experimental, systems-driven thing is kind of the way forward. Like, he kind of low-key criticize the previous games um like twilight princess and skyward sword like kind of flat out saying like those they were too linear too restrictive Mm. you know like that kind of stifled our creativity like we are he basically implied we were having a way better time in designing this new style of open game i I don't i don't mind the structure it's just yeah it's just the beat for beat stuff that is yeah i mean yeah when you you can you got a sequel that's built this directly on the foundation of the previous game like you would think that a next zelda on a new switch will probably be a clean slate in terms of at least world design and yeah. that's what and i'm saying like that. yeah um this that that quote also gave rise to a pretty amusing debate on twitter about whether zelda is an immersive sim now mm. which it's kind like, of hard, hard to argue that it's not when you say immersive you mean like rock and stick style like, uh, well, immersive sim traditionally is your system shock, thief, Bioshock, oh, like play how you want style. Yes, your oh, numerous okay. numerous styles of play, okay. all equally rewarded kind of thing. I see. I thought you meant like more survival game. I see. No, no, no. Okay. Um, sure. Yeah, I can see that argument. Yeah, like you approach this situation numerous ways. I could see it. Look, I built carts that can roll like a uh, flaming explosives down into groups of enemies. It's it's fun and silly. Um, this, I mean, no, I don't think anybody will argue with this. It It's like a, um, it's like a, like a fan mod for breath of the wild, right? Like it is, Hey, we changed all the shrines into these weird looking butt shrines and we, uh, you know, yeah. and we, and we, um, you know, we put these new powers in to kind of do this thing and you know, you're, 
it seems like so far, and again, I've only done the first temple. Maybe this changes as we go. Um, you know, we reskin the temp, we reskin some of these areas for uh, um, you know, to for the story that's happening here. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm gonna keep going with it. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna fill out the compendium. I've been trying to take pictures of everything as I go. I just, I really think for me personally, my completionist part, like having done that in Breath of the Wild, seeing that it's got even more in it and the whole thing's empty again was just like, oh my gosh, I remember how tedious this was the first time to fill out, take a picture of every single weapon in the game. Did you get anything for filling that thing out? Uh, like like, I, I, know, I know you could use individual pictures to seek out more of that item with the little radar thing. Yeah, but. I don't know if you got anything reward. Like, I don't know if there was a quest to fill out the compendium, but it was just part the of reward the reward is the satisfaction yeah. of a job well done. I did not do all the Koroks. I, that's where I, the Korok seeds, that's where oh, dude, I, this I was like 900 it. and something yeah. of those. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I called it there, but you know, it's Korok seeds here again. It's the compendium here again. Um, those systems are on place. There's new stuff, obviously, but you know, that's, that's, that's all here again. I think Majora's mask while lifts a lot of Ocarina of time is a pretty different game. It's It's a a weird, it's a weirder departure narratively and, and tonally with the moon and the, the, you know, the cyclical time nature of the game. I've actually like seen enough people talking about outer wilds in relation to that game that I've thought, Sure. Yeah, thought, yeah. I thought recently that maybe I missed out. Like maybe I just didn't give Majora's Mask the chance it deserved, considering how much I like Outer Wilds. Hmm. Yeah. Still, it's, I don't know. I went back and, and when the re- release came out and played more of it, and I played with my kids. Still a funky game, man. <laughs> it's oh yeah. It's still, no question. Yeah, still a weird, weird one. But yeah, Tears of the Kingdom. Would I give it a five out of five? Probably. I probably would. Um, would I give it a 10 out of 10? I don't know. Hang Action. on. Okay, wait, wait a minute. minute. Wait a minute. Hang on. I thought- do, you, do you know how fractions work? I think so. I mean, apparently no, not. I'm not good at math. I would probably not give it a, a 4 out of 5, but I would probably give it a 9 out of 10, let's say. Does that make so sense? So, four and a half out of 5. I, are we allowed? I always get yelled at for doing halves. Yeah, halves damn right you uh-huh, do. Uh huh. There are um, five stars. There are no more stars. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I'd probably get an eight point. No half measures. I'd give it an eight point five. Eight point five. That's my. Uh, maybe I'd give it an eight point four. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get it. I'm not far enough in it to make that kind yeah, of evaluation. Neither, honestly, neither am I. Like, I, I'm still uh, fairly early on in this game. Uh, and but I'm into it, and that's the thing is that like with with the F- Breath of the Wild, I had a hard time getting into like get like feeling like I want to go back and play this over and over again. Whereas now it's like I'm now thinking like, okay, what nights do I have free so I can I can spend a couple hours at least playing this? Yeah. Have you finished that first dungeon? I got. I'm about to go into that first dungeon. Oh, okay. Does does it feel like a longer, more traditional Zelda dungeon? Because like the Divine Beasts, obviously, in the last one are. Kind of that, but not really. Uh, it felt very similar to me. Is um, you know, it, like sim- similar, similar design to, to the, to the older games. Beast. Oh, oh, to, oh, interesting. Um, like I said, I was just getting, and maybe this is part of my horrible memory, just getting very like, really okay. This feels extremely similar. Um, but but again, don't get me wrong. A, I'm I'm, I'm not getting saying, you wrong, Vinny. I'm not saying I I'm not uh, enjoying it. B. The, that was maybe my favorite uh, exploration parts because the powers come into such good use in the in the design there. You know they're explicitly designed 
to make use of these new powers and and, the, and everything you have. And they're fun. It's a fun puzzle to solve. It's actually um, a well-designed dungeon, quote unquote, but it's not like go underground into a temple style thing, uh, um, you know, which is, it's, it's fine with me. It's, it's, that's not, that's not my issue. It's more just like, it's just more like if you held up so far, it feels like if you held up the narrative to a window, you'd see the old one <laughs> coming right mm-hmm. through it. Which is like peering through through the weird butthole <laughs> portal through the butthole portal, which again from a Zelda game is fine, but for a sequel to a Zelda game feels a little bit more on the nose. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're going through and you're like, oh, okay, we're redoing Zelda. We're telling the tale of again. Go get the the master sword is fine, but for a sequel, I feel like you got to be a little stray a little bit from the path there. Um, and they are doing the interesting. They never things do here. this. Uh, yeah, they never do this really. I mean, this is, uh, this is not in their, um, I'm trying to think if they've done it on like mobile. they use, they use the graphical style from wind waker for a couple of those DS games. And, you know, they did obviously Majora's Max technically is a sequel to Ocarina of Time, but as you said, it is pretty different outside of some basic world design and graphic stuff. But like in terms of doing a direct sequel to a particular, like the last Zelda game that came out. They very rarely do this. this I mean, it's way. Legend of Zelda uh, right there, Link's Awakening, or uh, uh, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, Link Between Worlds. Link Between Worlds, yes, is uh, you know pretty much a yeah. sequel. Some some games Link wakes up, some games Link goes to sleep. Uh, some, some games take place between other games. Well, look, Zelda Two: Adventures of Link. It's right there. It's sequel, and right it's there. that one. That game could not be more fucking different than the first one. Is the point? It's true. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, when we talk about it on the stream, when we streamed it on Friday, and I said, like, I deny all attempts at creating an overarching Zelda timeline. As well, you should. Um, somebody in the Twitch chat had a good comment to the effect of, like, it's one story because it's a legend. Like, it's a legend. Uh-huh. And so they are just like, you just need to look at it as they are telling the same legend over and over again with different trappings and different styles, but it I, is the same story. I do like the, the narrative stuff. And actually to its credit in this game, they are starting to pepper in more and more stuff that um, is interesting for a cohesive narrative. Uh, mm-hmm. There is some stuff they are doing. That's like, this could be interesting. I hope they, I hope this pays off in a fun way. Um, but yeah. Um, but you just know at the beginning of the next game. Hmm? You just know, though, at the beginning of the next game, it's going to be some uh, combination up, of the Master Sword and yeah. Link waking up and a Ganon of some form. Yeah. Whether he will be hot or not next time, who knows? <laughs> Ganon, hot or not. Um, That's the secret. Ganon was always hot. He was always hot. Brad, do you think Even when he was the pig man. Are you really going to make try and make your way through this entire one before you... Uh, how? Where are you in, in uh, Breath of the Wild? Um... What beast I'm, of beast? I'm up to the first beast. Right okay. Now. But like I said, I'm doing less of the in-between stuff because I'm so enamored with that the first time I played it that I did a ton of that. And now now I'm definitely seeing a little bit more of the repetition of okay. like, you know, like almost all these Bokoblin camps are kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and the treasure chest you get at the end is not ever really worth it. Like you kind of don't have to do every environmental thing you come across. Yeah. So... Like when that's the thing is revisiting it. I am realizing it is actually more structured than I remembered and you could just kind of mainline it. Yeah. Well, like, wanted. I think you just, you know, I, I feel like there's a pretty decent skill trade off. Like, Hey, if you, if yeah. you can play this game well enough, you can get through it with three hearts and, and no stamina. Right. Yeah. And like, that's kind of one of the fascinating design things about it is like, if you go off, so I don't know how this game is like, do they railroad you to this first dungeon? Like, do they, no. 
Not at all. No, no, Did no. Did you no, just no. kind of pick that one randomly? They, like, it's, you- it's like four B style. You you have four points on your map, and they are they say you should go here first. Okay. Yeah, they kind of say which village you should probably so, try and hit yeah. first. But that's that, I guess railroad was too strong a word. That's kind of what the first game does yeah. as well. It does, I know. It, it, it just it just says here's the four go do them, but. Yeah when they tell you that you are pretty close to one of them, like, yeah. and, and the next quest you have leads you right to that one. So like, it's more, it's more that they soft guide you to one of the specific ones, even though you don't have to do that one. But like, it's one of the things I find fascinating about the game is if you go off script, like I went to the desert first, instead of going to do that first beast right off the bat, like the shrines out there are harder because they're mm-hmm. not along the kind of golden path. But if you do those shrines, you come out of there with weapons that are straight up 10 times more powerful than the stuff you start with. Like you start with swords that are doing four or five damage. And I did one shrine out there. I came out of there with a sword with 50 damage. Yeah. Like a couple more with like 40 something. Okay. So like, yeah, kind of quote unquote sequence breaking that game. Like, like there is no, there is no smooth progression ramp. I mean, there is in the sense that the shrines, you have to do them one by one to get more hearts and stamina. But like, if you go off the path in that game, you can kind of stumble into becoming way more powerful very quickly. Yeah, it rewards exploration, which is a lot of fun. I, I mean, look, there are things that'll one shot you as well, and that yeah. that can be frustrating. Or that you'll you might hit narrative gates because it does it is a Zelda game, and you might need a power to get through uh, a certain area. So I don't know about that in Tears of the Kingdom. I kind of went where they suggested. I don't know if I went the other way. If I could have, if I would have been locked out of a dungeon because I didn't have a power, I, I don't know that for sure. Uh, but this was definitely like, hey, here are four things we're going to need to do. Or you should investigate, let's say. And then, um, I was, yeah, I just kind of went to the first one and I was like, let's talk about Breath of the Wild for a second. So I don't talk too much about Tears of the Kingdom. In Breath of the Wild, when you go to the Ancient, you're kind of going there and um, the Beast, you're kind of uh, um, uh, communing with the spirit from the from the battle that happened before, let's say, right? And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, this uh, in the first uh, attempt to get Ganon, um, this person died in, in the battle, right? And you're communing with that spirit. And I found this to be a little s- s- too similar in a way that's like, okay. It's like the setup mm-hmm. for each dungeon. Maybe I just, maybe I care too much about the story of the of, of, uh, Legend of Zelda. Um, or maybe I don't remember it enough. But yeah, still interesting. Still Zelda. Still Breath of the Wild for sure. Still enjoying it. Uh, but able to put it down in a way I wasn't expecting um, uh, when, oh, that, my play sessions um, at times. That's The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. $70 out now. Taking the world by storm. Getting a lot of love out there. Deservedly so. I'm not, I don't, I, sometimes these things come off as more negative than the criticisms that I mean for them to be. But um, Yeah. I mean, and, and look, here's the thing. It is taking the world by storm, but it's also coming out at a time when there are actually some good, significant games out, too. So it's not doing it completely in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Now, look, it's okay not to like it, and I'm not seen, just convincing myself. seen some sales going around. I'm trying to confirm. Looks like it. I think they, I think Nintendo has said it sold 10 million copies that's, so far. That was the number I thought. I was just trying to make sure. That's quite a number. That's a lot mm-hmm. in five days. That's quite a number. Um, let's. Uh, I wonder if they'll they'll probably do another DLC pack for this. They did a couple for yeah. There's two while. for the first one. Yeah. And the uh, master mode. What's that? There's there's two DLC packs and the master mode for the first. Oh, week. master mode, right? That was free, mm-hmm. right? I or that come with something that might have been part of one of the DLC packs. I can't remember. Maybe okay. it was free. 
I can't remember either. Uh, out now, well, you'll be hearing more about that as we go. I'm sure that game is not especially short, um, especially if I go to get all the compendium stuff, uh, which I shouldn't, but I probably will. Just do what you feel, man. Do what makes you happy. <laughs> don't, I don't play video games because they make me happy, Brad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you? It's not why we got into <laughs> this, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to talk about a game that actually uh, I haven't been able to put down in just a second. Let's talk, we're going to talk about humanity and send some cooks serve forever. So stick around. We'll be right back. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to. I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day, my busy schedule, your time, which is worth more than anything find those subscriptions and cancel them. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. All right, we are back. And as promised, we're here to talk about humanity. Humanity. It's in bad shape, man. Uh, hasn't been good in I, some time. I have, I have some doubts about humanity. Uh, well, I've got good news for you. You could just lead them all off a cliff. Oh, <laughs> if, well, if, I, you know, I think they're doing a pretty good job of that on their own. But, uh, mm-hmm. They don't need a, sure. little, a little dog to lead them. Don't, don't think they need any guy. I don't think humanity needs any guidance to send itself over a cliff. The, the new video game from Enhanced Humanity, however, uh, pretty good. It's, it I, is. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um, so when I get frustrated in uh, Tears of the Kingdom or when it's time for a break, um, I have picked up humanity and that usually winds up being the thing I spend more time with. Or not more time with, but I really enjoy my time with it. I have a harder time putting down. It's a good bite-sized kind yeah, of it's thing. literally the term to use, yes. Like, it's very easy to just dip into and play a couple levels and, and dip out. Did we talk about the demo on this podcast? I think, I we, think we very briefly did. I think we did, so we have at least described this game before. But yeah. it's, you know, it's worth reiterating. For folks that don't know, it's um, you play as this little uh, ghost-like dog apparition uh, as your avatar, and you are leading uh, hordes of people that want to walk in a straight line uh, through a kind of... A rotatable floating puzzle platformy like world using things like turn signals, using things like jump signals, using things like float uh, modifiers. 
to kind of get them throughout uh, this obstacle course. And in the in the a big important part, or one of the parts that's really fun for me is along the way there are these kind of giant golden Oscar statue looking like people that are the Goldies, the Goldies, and um, they're usually the more complicated route through the the level. And those are really fun to collect. And if you uh, if you put enough people into the end portal, the level will uh, end and you will go on to the next level. Uh, and the nice thing about this game, too, is I didn't realize this, Brad, when you were showing off the demo. If a Goldie is uh, walking and you complete a level, it, you can it, it will complete the level or it, it won't exit the level. You can keep going until the Goldie gets there. That's like the main thing that is, I don't know if it's different from the demo or I just didn't observe this somehow playing the demo I mean, the demo was only like what eight levels and and they were curated they were not just the first eight of this game mm. um maybe there weren't any levels in the demo that showed this but yeah like i was kind of shocked the it's first great. time the first time that i finished a level with one of the goldies like part of my chain ready to go to the goal but it just you're basically filling up the goal you see the goal like expand as it consumes human beings <laughs> um and once it fills up you finish the level like the revelation that, oh, you can screw yourself by finishing the level too fast. Yeah. And like you kind of have to get a little creative in spots or like get Loop your timing around. Down. Yeah. Like kind of break the flow here and there to make sure you don't send enough normal people into the goal before you get all the goldies. The other thing that was not in the demo is there's this like kind of expansive progression system that uses the goldies basically as kind of skill points. Yeah. Or it's actually almost like battle pass style. <laughs> I hope the makers of this game are not cringing at that comparison, but it is a it is a, a linear track left to right of like get five goldies, unlock this, yeah, get ten, get eight, get unlock this, get ten, yeah, and like the abilities are like pretty meaningful. It's it, like, it, it ranges from like what seem like core abilities to cosmetics, you know, well, mm -hmm. scrolling. So I think it goes all the way up to one hundred and fifty. Oh, jeez, I, I believe was the end. Yeah, toward toward the end, it seems like it might mostly be cosmetics for your kind of online mode profile, like hats and stuff. So yeah. maybe less relevant stuff. But early on, they were straight up unlocking like extra camera controls and the ability to like save your command layout when yep. you restart, which stuff is like that, which, which is great. That's a great one. Yeah, I've gotten so, into some hats and some different models, big head mode, but also being able to pause the thing is one of them. So yeah, so it makes the, it very worth getting the goldies. Just the, the revelation coming from the demo that there is kind of more meta progression here and more nuance to how you solve these things. It's not purely a thinker, I guess I would say. There's also a little bit of like dexterity is not the right word, but like, oh, there is dexterity timing, but, for sure. Again, again, there is a timing element to this. It, it's not purely just script your route and then press go and let it go. Yeah. Like, like you're going to have to, you're gonna have to watch the flow of people toward the goal and be ready to drop a command in at the right time to divert and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's interesting. I'm up to, um, I just finished, I think the, um, sequence two which has a lot of pushing of blocks and you have to actively stop people from you know your your horde from pushing a block so you'll you only want them to push it one square you have to immediately after they push that square put a reverse um um marker in to stop them and you're you're doing that quite a bit and, and having to micromanage that line at first i thought it was gonna be really cumbersome and tedious but i kind of got used to it and really enjoyed it it failure does not feel overly punishing in this game. Like the resets are pretty quick and it doesn't feel like at least in the stages that I've played so far, I'm like a I think I'm like a chunk of the way through sequence two, but 
Um, it doesn't feel like it's really like you're, you're doing a million things and then suddenly it all goes wrong at the end and you're just like frustrated. Like I have not, even where I've been failing, I have not felt like I was just getting like annoyed at what I was doing. There's another amusing detail. I don't remember from the demo, which is they point out at one point, they were like, Hey, people will just pour right over the side if you don't stop them, but don't worry. They'll reemerge from the entrance soon enough or something like that. And because reincarnation, because there is like this weird feeling of like, I'm just letting hundreds of people fall to their deaths right now by not doing this right. So they you, go out of their way to be like, don't worry, they don't, they're not dying. They're coming right back. People you know, have been falling to their deaths for thousands of years. We're not doing anything that humanity has not been doing to itself over and over and over again. You know, it's funny. They say that in the narrative with, was it the blue orb or whatever yeah, that is, this, is kind of guiding whole, you? Like, there's all this like kind of afterlife imagery of you're sort of sending people to heaven. Uh, so they say that there. And then in another place, I think I saw something that's like, um, humans perished <laughs> or something that was just like mm, okay i'm gonna stick with uh i'm gonna stick with what you told me and that they just come back out the door i'm actually up to um the i just remembered what i'm up to is it, quote unquote a boss fight so um uh which is kind of interesting a boss yeah, puzzle the, the trophies imply that there are several of those uh so that's interesting i my my one frustration point i will say is there are points where you have a fairly complicated system you've gone through and had to, you know, time things correctly. And then one stray humanity, one stray human will just by the nature of the, um, flow mechanics of the humans will, will miss a thing. Not from anything you did. will just like clip the side of something or turn off away and touch the Goldie before you wanted it to. Right. And that's super annoying because it's like, that's not anything I did. It's because when they landed from the float or something like that, um, you know, the stream of people push this person off to the one person off to the side and it clipped the Goldie. And then you have to reset the whole thing, which resetting with the markers really helps, but sometimes you're changing markers a bit, but that's really, it's kind of a minor thing. It hasn't happened all that often when it does. It's just frustrating. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's not my favorite part of it. But I played in VR as well. I think VR is awesome in that game. Uh, if you have the ability to try it out, uh, it, this is on PC on Steam and does support VR there as well as on the PlayStation Five. It's cool. It's um, yeah. and we said this was enhanced, but this is actually another developer, uh, THA Limited, uh, which, as far as I can tell, this is their first game. But that said, everything about this game, both mechanically and like philosophically feels like it belongs directly in the, you know, Miz catalog. Like it it feels very much part and parcel with the kinds of games he has traditionally made. Yeah. It was a collaborative effort from what I understand. The kind of co-developed. Yeah. It's got a cool soundtrack or great visual style. Um, it's a lot of fun. The puzzles are very clever getting those goldies. There was one. I, it has, um, you can look at a solution video in game if you would like. It does warn you before you did it. I was at the point where I was going to look at one and it's like, "Hey, we're going to you can look at this. We are going to track how many of these you have looked at." Uh just so you know, and I was like, "Oh, okay. So that's good know. to know because I have not been brave enough to even click on that yet." I did I there was one part I would tried like I was just banging my head against getting that last gold and I was like, "I don't really understand." Or I was at the point where I was like, "Jesus, does the game it was a it was a really interesting part of the game where I was like, does the game really want me to do this? And I I saw I did wind up solving it on my own and then looked up a video of it and I was like, holy shit, I did it the way that this other person did. The game does want me to play it like this. 
it was much more kinetic and much more um kind of frantic switching of um of uh, uh what would you call the the uh, signals the, the the you know i mean I, I basically have just been in my mind calling them traffic signals sure yeah much more f- frantic changing of the traffic signals i was like that game can't want me to have to do it this quickly and i was like holy shit no this is this is they what super it, do <laughs> this is what it was asking of me uh to get that goldie at least um so, don't so, worry the online mode is full of of course anytime you give people level creation tools the first thing you're going to get is a huge number of autoplay levels uh-huh. Oh, okay. They're, they're straight up as an autoplay tag. Okay. I haven't and, gone and, online yet. And they don't lock out the experience level from the autoplay levels. Oh. So if you want to boost your online level quite a bit. Okay. May, maybe it caps at some point. I don't know. But I was just, I just literally searched by the autoplay tag. I'm just sitting there just like going through one automatic level after another, watching my level <laughs> go up. Uh, I mean, all I think all it unlocks is is new hairstyles and colors okay. and hats and stuff for, for your, your, pro, your for your avatar. I don't think you're. Uh, I don't think there's anything else you get there. Hmm. Yeah, the the goldie stuff in the single player is definitely worth going through that that line there uh, if you can get as many as you can. They also it should be noted they do a video game. Hey, you need this number of goldies to progress into the next section. So you you do have to get at least some. You can't just uh, kind of ignore all of them. Or you can't progress to the next level. And there is a narrative there for what it's worth so far. Yeah. It's weird. It uh, feels like the kind of narrative you would get in something yeah. from this studio. You know, yeah. like it, 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 it there is a threadbare storyline, but it is really more about kind of delivering a vibe and a philosophy. Yes. Yes, very much. Yes. I, my favorite comparison I saw someone make online is that it's Lemmings by way of Koyanatkatsi, that uh that art film that is just a lot of shots of people moving through the world. And you know what? Yeah, that actually kind of feels like what they were doing here. Is that like, is that, I don't think I know that one. Is that like a Baraka-esque? There's, uh, there's like, yeah, there's like a, Ka- a Katsi trilogy and, okay. and Klanis Katsi, I think is the first one. Okay. It's, it's really striking once you see the, the fountains of people. That's actually another good reason to go online. Not that there are like super complex crowd behaviors in here. It's mostly just people walking in straight lines, but still like seeing some of the user made designs out there. Like I've, I'm on PS5, but I've actually, found a level that managed to bring the frame rate down pretty hard. I could see it from the number of people they were spawning on screen. Um, it seems, I don't know if this is user definable, but it seems like there might be a maximum number of people on screen because like they stopped at some point. Oh, wow. they stopped okay. coming out of the emitter. And I don't know if that was scripted or not, but okay, you can get a lot of people walking around on screen at one time. It's like kind of cool to see. It's, um, it's fun. It's like people circuits, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a weird, weird thing. Like I've, I've had people just spinning in circles to keep buttons down, you know, and just be like, well, I'm sorry. You're lost all time. You're not, you're not going to ascend. Maybe someday, maybe someday for you. Maybe you're someday. Just, you're just a button holder. Uh, that's humanity. That's $30, uh, available. I, I didn't check the price on the PlayStation five, but it's 30 on steam, uh, available on the PlayStation and, uh, steam again, VR support there for both of those platforms. If you got it. Uh, finally, I played some cook serve forever. I'm a big fan of the cook serve delicious, uh, franchise. This is not cook serve delicious. And I think it's important to know that before you, uh, go in this one's 30 bucks. It's in early access right now. Uh, art style is great. Vibe is great. Music's great. Uh, gameplay is different than a cook serve delicious. And I found it to be right now. I'd say the gameplay is. Yeah, it's it's not like 
super engaging. It's it's a little maddening sometimes. It's a uh, basically you're doing um, button sequences. So you're just doing like uh, push A three times, now push B, now push Y. But it's clever and insidious sometimes. It'll be uh, push A and now push B a questionable amount of times, and then mm-hmm. push you know, and then it'll just move you on to the next one or uh, push any button. But then you have to then the next thing will be like push the previous button you pushed or push any button and don't push the previous button you pushed. Uh, mm. So like it's that, it's that level of stuff and you're just rapid firing through these things. It's fairly light in that mechanic sense. It doesn't have the same kind of short order cook uh, franticness that I think a cook serve delicious um, has had before where you're like, put the fryer down, make the stuff, like, clean the, put take out the garbage and do all this stuff. So it's, it's very different than that it's a different game and you should know that before going in maybe check out a movie or something we'll we'll play some of it too on the grab bag to kind of show you that said the trappings are it's it's like a chill game i really like the vibe on it uh the mechanics i think i like i'm engaging with less than in the overall vibe of the game um and it's in early access so they have a roadmap no local co-op yet on the game but um like i said art style music top notch um it's got the flavoring, if not the exact, you know, let's just say not the exact meat that you're used to. Yes. Nice. Nicely done. Yes. Food. I get you. Yeah. Food. Uh, cook, sir, forever. Not too much more to say there, um, but just be kind of beware that um, it's not cook, serve, delicious four. This is right. a, this is a different thing. It's like a side. God, I forgot they made three of those beforehand. Hell yeah. They're all very good. They're, I knew there was at least two. Uh, I yeah. forgot that they, they made the third one. Yeah. Uh, soundtrack's always amazing uh, uh, in those games, and this one is also very good. Uh, and again, no local co-op yet in the early access, but it's on the roadmap in case you're you're going in for that, which I play with my kids, and they're fun. This one doesn't have it yet on the horizon, hopefully. That's Cookstar Forever. That's $30 in early access. I think there's a discount now, too, if you want to go check it out. Uh, that's uh, also Tears of the Kingdom and Humanity. Uh, I think that's going to do it for the games. I'm going to take another quick break here, and uh, we'll be right back with the news. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Factor. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro, do you guys know what Factor is? (laughs) I do. I thought you were about to ask if I knew what food is. Do you also know what food is? I've heard of it. It sounds and cool. Do you know what food can be? Factor's here. Factor is here to tell you what food is and can be. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. We've gotten some Factor before. I've actually mm-hmm. found it to be quite tasty and delicious and convenient. Mm-hmm. Um you can put it in the toaster oven, put it in the microwave. I did the toaster oven. It was ready. I think in the toaster oven was ready between like 10, 15 minutes. Pretty quick. You can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals, ready to eat in two minutes. You can level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Ooh, you could treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like... Broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Not that regular butter. Truffle butter. 
Round out your meals and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, ooh, potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Oh, man, oh, Factor, man. What, are you, what are you doing to me, Factor? With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity, for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. Head to factormeals.com slash nextlander50 and use code nextlander50 to get 50% off. That's code nextlander50 at factormeals.com slash nextlander50 to get 50% off potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Thanks, Factor. And we're back, and it is time for the news. Things are happening out there. Uh, let's start. As they often are. As they often are. The world did not decide to just pause everything for the release of The Legend of Zelda, though a lot of things did seem to move out of the way. Uh, uh-huh. One thing that I feel like they wish they could have moved out of the way is this Overwatch news. Uh, just just kind of coming out to the GameSpot story and interview uh, to more talking to some of the Overwatch team, Overwatch two team specifically here. Let's say about their um, is it is it cl- cl- fair to say um highly anticipated PVE stuff? Because that was that's kind of my big question coming into this that maybe Alex can speak to more. Like given the way Overwatch two has gone, were people even still excited or thinking about this? I so I mean I'm not the best bellwether as far as like what the overall tone of the Overwatch community is because I checked out of Overwatch 2 pretty fucking fast. Um but I did play a lot a lot a lot of Overwatch 1. Um what I will say is that from what I remember about how they announced this and how they've been promoting it up until you know right up until uh they announced last year that the PvE mode which is the thing we are discussing here uh would not be launching alongside the game. I think there has been a mixture of trepidation, but also hope that this thing would come out in a state that would justify the fact that they made Overwatch 2 and still, instead of just continuing to update Overwatch 1, because this was a big selling point for why there needed to be a sequel versus an update of a refresh of the existing game. Yeah, so, so they just to make it explicitly clear, they have canceled the PvE hero mode. I, I think that's how they refer to it. Yes. Um, I, did, did GameSpot break this news? It's unclear to me. It seemed like they did. I'm not sure if they were like literally the ones who broke the story, but they seemed like they had the most in-depth coverage yeah. of it from yeah, the start. Yeah, they've got the uh, they've got the interview with the director and producer, kind of right here at the announcement. Um, and th- the thing that makes this kind of crazy, apart from just the fact that they are excising this mode uh, seemingly entirely, is that they were still saying it was coming and updates would be coming on what this was going to be pretty recently, like within the last few weeks. Yeah, that's that's the part where this gets pretty rough. Like if they hadn't talked about it for two years or something, this would be more like, oh, yeah, OK, of course that was coming. So, so but I'll say this because... <laughs> There's a pretty exhaustive, you should go check out the GameSpot interview. Tamora does a pretty good job and asks really good questions there. 
there's a lot of dancing around what is going on here. So I would, I would like to just read Tamor's back and forth because he does a pretty good job of just laying this out. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is Tamor. It's, it's credited as GameSpot, but Tamor is credited as the author on the story. So I don't want to give uh, uh, wrong credit here, but uh says that this is Tamor or GameSpot. The big talking point is the direction that you're now talking with the PVE. That you basically aren't doing it. Is that the correct way to characterize it? Great question. Uh, it's not happening anymore. And not, you, yeah, I, this, this is the question. It's not happening anymore, and you've pivoted away from it. That's the question. And yeah. uh, Aaron Keller from the team says, I think I would characterize it slightly differently, which is we are doing part of what the team had set out to do, but not the entirety of what was discussed back at BlizzCon 2019. So the real focus is on the story mission and that experience as opposed to the more open-ended hero mode and that stuff. Um, And then he goes on to say, so it's fair to say that the experience that you showed during that first Overwatch 2 reveal is not going to be the one that will be released at any point. (laughs) They they answer back, yeah, exactly. So we are definitely not doing the hero mode and the talents and that power progression system. It's like, as you say, you would characterize it slightly differently, but I think you're actually characterizing (laughs) it exactly the same. It's it's a great, just like, hey, I'm going to be crystal clear here. Are you not doing this? And yeah, so there's definitely a little bit of depends on what your definition of the word is, is, you know, like there's there's just definitely a little bit of like language bebop happening here, but. So, I mean, the key thing here is that what they're talking about still doing is the stuff they have been doing, which is to say these event-based things where you will team up with other players and and take on usually these seasonal challenges uh, that involve some light narrative and some, you know, like uh, AI-controlled enemies and stuff that you're fighting. And they've been doing that since Overwatch 1 in in various forms. And But the thing they were talking about here, this PvE mode, the, the thing that was the much ballyhooed concept was something that was a lot more elaborate yeah. it had a whole progression mm-hmm. system to it new a talents of new two talents that you would get like going through here like literally like more than you know something like 20 talents per hero or something um and that all sounded really interesting and potentially very exciting but they had because of the way they announced that it wasn't coming when the game launched and the way that this has kind of gone down here this all reads to me very much like we overextended ourselves we tried oh, yeah. to do something that we were not we we hoped would come together very much did not and it was either pull the plug on this and foot redouble our efforts into making sure that the multiplayer and the event stuff that we do is as good as it can be or we potentially throw something out there that is just not going to hit for people in the way that we hope it will and i think ultimately they probably are making the right decision here but if that's really what 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 went down here but this puts them in a very awkward position because the thing you sold this game as and you had been hyping this game up as even post launch is now not that. And a bunch of people that went and got this game now are like, okay, well, I didn't get it sold an entire bowl of goods because I can still do the multiplayer and you have been putting content in this game and stuff has been happening. But potentially a thing that I was potentially very excited for is just not happening now. And it makes them look even more disorganized than Blizzard has looked in recent years, which is not great. Yeah, I mean, this team has had a fair amount of turnover, right? Yes, it has. That, that's like Jeff Kaplan is gone. And Didn't he come back at some point, but then I think he left again? I would believe that at this yeah. point. Yeah, the, uh, the Blizzard team and Activision Blizzard and the bigger umbrella has a lot of those folks, I feel like. Because it was, who came back recently on the WoW team? 
Was Metzen. it a, that was Metzen, and he is back, that was back okay. or is he? Did he leave again? No, he's still he's there. He's still there. Okay. but I mean, it sounds like he's in some kind of creative advisory role. Okay. Yeah, I. You know, I don't know. Okay, Kaplan. Kaplan did just leave. He has not come back. Um, I. I don't know too much about Overwatch Two. Aside, it, it is free. You know, it is a free game. I. I know there was a lot of uproar over just again anecdotally the switch from Overwatch to Overwatch Two, where a lot of people didn't feel it was a necessarily at the time a justified switch again i'm not in that community so i can't speak to it that well um but i i this was appealing to me as somebody who doesn't play a lot of pvp and who does more pve stuff with family and 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 things like that so it's while i am still interested to see what they do in the pve arena if they do take them at their word and they have other plans involved Reading through this interview, and again, it's fairly long and good questions are asked, I came away with the sense that this was known around the launch of Overwatch 2, that this wasn't going to happen like they had been promoting it. And to not message that at that point, I get it, you're trying to make Overwatch 2 seem like a different product, but to have to to go and say that this was known that we were switching gears away from this hero mode at the time of the launch and still promoting that stuff is not great no it's not and again i think the bigger problem is that a lot of the things that blizzard has tried to do with overwatch since it broke big have not panned out quite the way they hoped and i'm not even just talking from like a game content perspective like you know by and large i feel like with overwatch one even if i didn't love every change they made or you know every hero they added or whatever I feel like they did a pretty all right job of ramping that thing up and making it feel like it was still alive, you know, years after the fact that after it came out. But like stuff like Overwatch League came around and while they dumped a ton of money into that stuff, it never became quite as big as they were hoping it would. And then with Overwatch 2, it's like they made a perfectly cromulent multiplayer game that is, you know, I'm going to say in some ways slightly better maybe than than Overwatch 1 was, but not by leaps and bounds. But they were selling this thing, and they did not deliver the extra thing that they said they were going to be putting alongside, like as part of this package and justifying the sequel. It feels like a lot of the decisions they are making to try and expand and build Overwatch into something other than just a thing where five heroes fight five heroes are just not quite mm. panning out the way they want to. And it's just making this franchise feel a little bit... I don't know. It's just bumpy in a way that it it, it seems like it shouldn't ha- be. Like maybe they're just overextending themselves. Maybe they're trying to turn it into something. It's just not meant to be. I don't know, but it just feels like they don't have a full handle on this thing. I also don't know. Well, we we don't have great insight. We should say, I genuinely don't into what is going on inside those studios during all. No, it, it's it's a tumultuous time inside. And I, I want to be Blizzard. clear. I'm not. I'm not blaming the developers for this. Like, it's like stuff doesn't work out all the time in game development. And if a thing is really not going to ship the way you want it to, sometimes you have to make these kinds of hard decisions. It's just that the messaging around it, the way that the way that they have framed this game, I think, has done those developers a great disservice in terms of like what kind of product they are actually able to deliver. Yeah, and like it kind of leads to to more ending with this very pointed question at the end here of like, hey, Blizzard has been maybe the most aggressive in the entire industry about killing stuff off that's not working before it comes out, you know, that like just slashing and burning stuff that you think is going to impact the level of quality that you deliver to your audience, except now, <laughs> like, why is this different? What does this say about blizzard essentially that 
you're now at the point of promoting things for years on end and then just killing them unceremoniously, unceremoniously you know? Right. Yeah, um, yeah. Blizzard, you know, go look at StarCraft Ghost, right? The most notorious, uh-huh. you know, uh, thing that just Blizzard probably has ever done that never saw the light of day. Um, I saw that game. <laughs> I was on a preview event for that game. I, I saw played it. it. Yeah, I played yeah, it yeah. Uh-huh. at least once, maybe twice. And there's um, a build of it out there now. A couple uh, of years ago, I think. I think a build of Warcraft Adventures also got out at some point. Great. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, again, I'm not. I'm not that big into Overwatch. At least Overwatch Two is free. You know, people didn't. Yes. Um, but people have put money clearly into real well, yeah, money. Yeah, because they're still selling Overwatch. season passes. You know, yeah. like they're still. They are still like charge. Like there's still money being dumped into those games. Right. So if you, I don't know, if you got into Overwatch and you got into the season stuff and put money into it with the expectation of the PVE stuff, I'm not sure. I I don't know how I would feel if if. If I, I mean, the money that time into it, the money you were putting into that game was not anything that was supposedly going to be feeding into the PVE thing. Like right. the PVE thing was going to be its own separate deal that was, you know, obviously part of the package, but it was going to be like a thing that was kind of separate from the whole multiplayer experience of that game, or at least, a, you know, the PV PVP aspect of it. But, you know, I, I do think that this really does feel like the wind up to turning this into a sequel as opposed to an update probably got derailed a lot earlier than people realized mm-hmm. and they just waited until the last possible second to tell people that like actually this is not coming together yeah yeah it's it's not a great tale no uh that's overwatch's two pve mode specifically the hero stuff sounds like that is kind of dead in the water what they continue to do on the pve front i don't i don't know i they'll keep doing their seasonal events i'm sure but that's probably going to be it for at least the foreseeable future uh, you can check that story out on GameSpot.com. Uh, a story that's been in the news also, uh, I don't think we have covered it here, but Vice. Um, you know, it's weird. It's one of those things where we talk to the Waypoint folks personally a lot, so mm-hmm. uh, sometimes that stuff doesn't make it onto the show as we are in just kind of you know personal conversations with people. But I don't know if we have talked about Waypoint Shutting, we haven't on 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 okay. here now. Waypoint shutting down, and you know all all the folks there. Um, you know we've been in contact with them. Obviously, best wishes to everyone who was affected by that, uh, and the waypoint closure. And now we are at the point where it sounds like uh, it had been rumored, and we are at the point where Vice is actually filing for bankruptcy and looking. It sounds like, according to the story I read here, Brad, that you 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 put, which is a story coming out of Motherboard. Um, which is a vice property that they are looking to get sold as quickly as possible for somebody to kind of basically pick up the tab in <laughs> business terms always are very weird and funny, but this one with the, um, uh, uh, stalker, what was it? Stalker horse. What's the, what's what is the exact term there? Stalking horse. Oh, stalking, stalking horse. Stalking horse. Uh, which basically no, means stalker like, <laughs> horse is something else. <laughs> which, that's a horse that's been in the zone, man. <laughs> which, uh, I mean, listen, I, I don't mean to laugh. This is very serious. A lot of people's jobs are on the line, but like, what a, yeah. what a term sounds like you, um, you try to have a buyer lined up before you go into auction at the bankruptcy level so that. As soon as you hit pull that trigger, somebody's there to scoop it up. You still have to have the auction. Again, I'm not a business person. I'm going off of the story here on Vice or a motherboard specifically, but that's what it sounds like. Vice. 
kind of an insane. I mean, we just had uh, we didn't. I don't think we talked about it here either. We just had MTV News um, also kind of uh, stop, uh, which I didn't know MTV News was actually still going. To be honest, but MTV News Vice, I feel like kind of for me feels like a successor to that. You know, like uh, uh, trying to do news to appeal to a different audience than your prime time, you know, stodgy news newscast. Well. Yeah, but also we're talking about different eras of Vice here because original Vice was very much like, you know, Brooklyn hipster, like, you know, coke addled, like sarcasm and, you know, uh, fashion analysis and, you know, the Vice Guide to Travel and a lot of other weird stuff that was like very specifically targeted at very cynical Gen X people who were, you know, kind of getting into their 20s and 30s in the early 2000s. Um, and then they kind of started to build more and more apparatuses for like legitimate news reporting and, you know, an HBO TV show. Mm. And they had their own TV network, I think technically still, I don't know if Viceland TV is still actually on cable television or if it's just pivoted entirely to web at this point, but you know, like Jesus and Mero got their TV start there. Like there have been a bunch of different iterations of vice over the years and, the tone of it definitely shifted pretty radically when they started to try and become more legitimate and less Gavin McInnes. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure that Vice was ever really, as a company, built for a main, to be a mainstream media conglomerate, but they did some really wild and interesting stuff over the years and also some very bad stuff over the years. And it just feels like the current model that they had was just not able to weather the existing economy, despite the fact that they have a lot of very talented people there doing very good work. Yeah, there's just kind of a shocking downturn in online media at the moment, like BuzzFeed News is another one that just got mm-hmm. shut down, which did a lot of serious reporting despite BuzzFeed's prior reputation. Yes. Um, but, you know, in, in the case of Waypoint, obviously it is extremely disappointing that even with a, I can't say how well the subscription business was doing, but presumably well-ish. Still well, enough not, they kept doing it. Still not enough to sustain you at a company the, that, especially being, with that a is team, being managed into the ground. And a team that wasn't that big. Like, it's yeah. not like Waypoint was, you know, some bloated apparatus of vice that, you know, took a whole bunch of resources. It was a handful of people doing very scrappy work, you know, with what they were given. And I feel like, you know, as someone that worked at another fairly scrappy website that did pretty good work and turned in pretty good business, despite the fact that we got almost fucking nothing... I felt like they were doing some pretty wild and, and interesting and innovative and, and worthwhile stuff there. And it just absolutely sucks ass to see that stuff get folded over because the rest of the company can't keep the business going. There were loose conversations between Giant Bomb and Vice. Uh, oh, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, nothing super formal, but like. You know, Vice was in a position at a point where they were trying to expand. And if you look at this list of, my dog agrees, if you look yeah. at this list of uh, uh, debitors and stuff, they borrowed a lot of money from a lot of places and seems like they had a lot of trouble paying those debts back. And even down the list, I mean, this this article goes into even things like the enterprise services that they still owed money to, which include, you know, everything from Workday to Adobe to Amazon Web Services that are going to be looking to recoup money on a chapter 11. Uh, I don't know the specifics of New York stuff and maybe, um, maybe there's people in our audience who do know about who gets paid off first in a chapter 11. If it doesn't get sold out right away, I'm hoping it's, 
employees and severance take priority over, you know, enterprise service contracts and stuff like that. But I don't know. So that stuff can be scary on whether, you know, what the state laws are in terms of paying debts off and priority if they, um, I mean, I, I don't know this for certain, but I, I do think that part of the reason maybe they announced the layoffs when they did was so that those people could make sure they got their severance and whatever before I hope so. things went into into the bankruptcy for, you know proceedings. But that's also me hoping that someone over there is paying enough attention and cares enough to make sure that was happening versus just like happenstance. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm sure the um, employees there, uh, th- you know, even maybe up in the upper levels don't even know. Like what, what's going on? I'm yeah. sure this is lawyers and accountants talking to each other and people screaming at each other. Also, considering publicly the waypoint folks have said they were told early in the day that the layoffs were announced, that they, uh, you know, that they were safe, and then suddenly they were not. Uh, that says to me that maybe it was not a fully organized thing, and people did not what the right hand did not know what the left hand was doing. I think the I think um, again we don't know much about this side of no. things, uh, but the thing we probably could look at from our experience our personal experiences is what do you do with a vice that let's just even say let's even say um what is vice's place in this world that's what i'm saying like what like we've seen media companies get sold around we were part of them uh they get sold around like you don't want this to necessarily go to some thing that is going to lose all of the flavor that vice which or the personality that vice was trying to go for that being said, but I think Brad, you said it, the landscape here is just not as it was, you know, 10 years no. ago. So no, I mean, this is, you know, waypoint waypoint getting shut down comes like what? And it was like five weeks after launcher, just speaking of other video game right. articles within mm-hmm. large corporate media, like launcher at the Washington post just got shut down right before this. Like it's just a, it's a bloodbath out specifically there right now. in the video game space. It's a very bad time to be working in corporate media. So yeah, I, I don't know if if they are trying to look for a buyer. I I'm really curious to see see what brand wants to absorb that as Vice. You know, like to to continue to do what Vice was doing, which is basically reporting in a time when I don't know if the monetization of reporting is is sustainable. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, my, my last word on this is, um, you know, if you can support the people that you like following, so, uh, get out there. That is not a self-serving pitch. Thank you everybody for supporting us, but it is also uh, true that, um, you know, there probably are going to be folks out there in this, as this continues to go, that are going to be to the winds and whether you support them by encouraging or support them financially, it's, it's kind of important. I mean, if I was them, I would maybe not immediately want to jump into another corporate media job but i don't know health insurance is very expensive that is yeah yeah it's just man it's just it's just fucking it's a nightmare out there right it's pretty tough out there in media in general but also on the game space it does feel like everything is contracting to set to an alarming degree it's either it feels like it's either contracting or shifting where it's not even games coverage, you know, it's uh, it's no, um, it's guides coverage or, or and that is not me. That is not me throwing shade at guides editors. That is important <laughs> work. But I'm saying at a certain point, it seems like a lot of these companies are making the calculation that this is the thing that drives the traffic. So that's literally the only thing we're going to pay for or or like, um, you know, more entertainment and recap stuff, you know, like uh, it, there's a lot of that just cover covering the MCU, you know, yeah. basically that beat. Uh, okay, that's uh, Vice. Uh, best of luck to everybody out there. Um, 
or yes, support, support the, the people that you enjoy reading and following. Uh, this news kind of coming in fairly hot, Brad Shoemaker, by the time people are listening to this, they might know more than we do. This was a story about teasers and leaks and data mining with regard to the new Mortal Kombat, but then an hour before we started recording, the Mortal Kombat Twitter account just flat out said, hey, the reveal is tomorrow morning. <laughs> so Fantastic. Basically, about the time this podcast posts, the listeners of this podcast will know exactly what the next Mortal Kombat is, but we are still merely left to speculate for now. Well, can I ask you, Brad Shoemaker um, and Alex Navarro, Mortal Kombat uh, lorists out there, this article that uh, you linked here, Brad, on uh, windowscentral.com posits, and I, I didn't even think about this until I read it, that this reboot, the teaser was a, basically a clock going from 11 and skipping 12 going right to 1, which led a lot of people to say, hey, this looks like it's going to be some kind of reboot, and then that was yeah. confirmed. Yeah, um, they started even before that. There was a, this 30th anniversary video they did a couple weeks ago, which was mostly a bunch of clips of team members just going like, thank you for 30 years mm. and stuff. But at the end, there was some like grain of sand imagery mm. as if from an hourglass uh, at the end of that thing that already kind of got people speculating about some kind of reboot or timeline reset or whatever you want to call it. But then, yes, this clock, this clock thing is like... <laughs> Come on, man. It's pretty good. It's good imagery. It's, it's just, yeah, but it's just, it's like, who are you fooling? Nobody. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. So, um, so, so that stuff like this, then got confirmed, yeah? Um, well, no, no. The the nature of the game still has yet to be confirmed. I mean, this report is corroborating. Um, there, there, was a, there was some, like, data mining leak stuff that said, hey, the title of the next game is Mortal Kombat yes. 1. Okay, that's what I was mm-hmm. talking about. Um, and then... Uh, this window central story, which is Alexander Cope and Jez Corden, uh, who certainly have reported on leaks and rumors in the past, are co- corroborating it, saying, yes, we can also confirm that's the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that clock thing is a second hand going from 9 to 10 to 11, which were the yeah. last three games, and then blowing past 12 straight to 1. Come on, man. <laughs> Like, so, so the seems, thing that seems pretty likely, uh, the, the thing that this article asks, because the details aren't out there and I'll ask this to you guys, uh, reboot certainly could happen. You know, they've set that up in 11 and they've kind of reset the timeline or a prequel, uh, with, which would go back to maybe even earlier than, uh, the games, Mortal Kombat one to maybe earlier Mortal Kombat tournaments. What do you think I the just, likelihood of I, that is? I don't know. I don't know what this is. I'm dying to find out, mm. but. They've kind of done the reboot already. Like yeah, nine was nine was that. Ten kind of went off in its own direction, and I think is by far the weakest of this current trilogy. Eleven has all kinds of time fuckery in it, but it still is trading ninety nine percent on your nostalgia for the first three games. Which yes. is yes, you know the other games have their fans, but like those are the games, right? So to go right back again to rebooting again. But again, like maybe it's something super weird and unexpected and not just another retelling of the original game. I don't well, so know. that's, that's what I think it is. And this is just me like spitballing here, but this is what I think they're probably going to do is that a reboot of one does not mean we are retelling the story of one. It means we are bringing familiar things we right. know from the original mortal Kombat, you know, like lineage. But now that we have the ability to totally reshape this, however we want there will definitely be some stuff in there that is brand fucking new. It has to be that. But yeah, that I think like Brad said, that also just feels like nine and 10 
uh, and Eleven. I, but, but also, you know do you do a Mortal Kombat without Johnny Cage and Scorpion and Sub Zero? I don't know. Yeah, no. and that's no. that. I mean, you could. <laughs> you could. You shouldn't. <laughs> you can do it without Quan Chi. I can tell you that much right now. But you could. You shouldn't do it without those guys. Uh huh. But the thing is, like again, and and this is not. Uh, we're not going to get into the details here, just in case you haven't finished Mortal Kombat Eleven Story Mode. You absolutely should. But because they leave everything so open ended, even with the DLC stuff they added at the end, like that's an addendum. That doesn't really ch- give you a, a serious notion of like how they're going to direct this next thing. I really hope what they're going to do is they're going to take the familiar elements and make something completely new out of it. Yeah, that's kind of what they need to do. I mean, if you think about how nine worked, this almost this kind of recalls the Zelda conversation, frankly, because like even nine had that framing device of like, oh, we're going back from future events and reliving these old events like the characters, at least some of them, like I think Raiden was one of them knew they were reliving past events like that was literally a meta story of we have to play this out again. We have to go through these motions again to save the world or whatever. So they've already done a little bit of let's take the familiar and put a twist on it. So, yeah, I think I think they would have to go way further this time to get away with it again. At the same time, 11 is so damn good that I'm totally willing to show up for whatever they do just to see it. There's just there's only so many directions you can go for from literally making the concept of time your villain, like personifying time as an evil wizard who sounds like a fucking strain of weed and like making her literally just break as many timelines as possible before Chronica? you come in and break them again. Yes. I'm talking yeah, about Chronica. Chronica. Yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure people know. Yeah. Yeah. The Chronica. Yes. But it's yeah, I just, I, I think, I think they're smart enough to know they can't just rehash this shit again because they've done it. They did it so well the last mm-hmm. time that I think a do, even, even in greater fidelity, even with a more, more content with a K, uh, <laughs> it's just not enough. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what else to say until we see what this is. I'm dying yeah. to find out what it is. But we'll know soon enough. Yeah, um, yeah. Eleven is weird because it's an incredible game, but also they escalated things to the point that it almost felt like it had to be the last Mortal Kombat. Like, like where do you even go from there? But obviously, they've got something. Like the only step up they can get to at this point is if you are literally fighting God. Like, because okay, so nice. far, Kronika is the most powerful being that is, yeah, but it is yeah. also unclear whether she is the god of all gods or uh, just the god that made there, the Mortal Kombat there, there's, gods. There's, there's always a more elder god. Yes. yes, in their pantheon, she's like they're like titans, right? The the yes, the, the Mortal Kombat gods. gods are essentially her children. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember what where the elder gods fall and all that stuff. Yeah. Somewhat unclear. But also, is there also just literal Christian bearded God like above her somewhere? And it's just like Kronika is like his ex-wife. Like, what do we? I don't know. That's you the thing. Know. How do you escalate from there? That's that's what I'm hoping they figure out. Yeah, you know, like Liu Kang had also pretty much become a god by the end of Eleven. That's right. Yeah. Uh, maybe you fight death also and you become immortal. I don't know. I people who are listening to this on Thursday might already know. Uh, yeah. So. Um, I think the the weirder part of this report to me is the thing about DLC characters. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Which I mean, you know, they've been doing this forever, putting like movie monster villains and stuff like that in MK through DLC. Robocop. But this idea of putting Homelander from the boys <laughs> in there. You could see it though. Like, well, yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, Mortal Kombat has had a lot of sin- sinister villain figures over the years. Uh huh. 
But that character is just so utterly repugnant. Like, it feels like it's risking getting into the, like, people think Walter White is the hero territory. Oh, I see what you're like, saying. Oh, okay. I mean, this is, like, genuinely one of the most disturbing characters I've ever seen in fiction because it sure. is literally it is literally a psychopath with truly unfettered power. Right. Yeah. You know? Like, but I mean, like spiritually, is he really is he that much worse than Leatherface? Probably no. Well, no. Except that Leatherface can be killed, I guess. Presumably. Yeah. Um, well, they'll find ways to kill this guy. I'm sure in just incredibly nightmarish, visceral ways yeah, that maybe will haunt you and especially the people that worked on the fatalities. <laughs> maybe it'll be very satisfying to rip Homelander's spine out and and hold it aloft. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's um. You know, is the boys a DC comic? Um, I, who put that out? I don't know. It might be published maybe, by Wildstorm. Yeah, it might have been put out by somebody who was DC Comics owns Wildstorm, so there DC? you go. Okay. okay. So that that I mean, okay, there's your immediate obvious tie-in. Though also, I might have expected. Honestly, I'm kind of shocked they're going just straight to MK next. Not because I love Injustice that much, and I can't wait for them to get back there, but like. I just thought they might have continued to alternate as opposed to just going straight back to Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I kind of had the same expectation, but it's hard to it's hard to speculate when decisions got made, uh, yeah. much less why. But I wonder if the turmoil in the DCU mm. maybe had anything to do with it, you know? Yeah, oh, they, dude, the things. likeness stuff. I yes, forgot about I was just that. Say, they, they wonder if they're holding off to like secure all their likeness stuff before they oh, move forward. God, that's a nightmare for everyone involved now that <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Because the they did time, have like that the, quote, right, with the unifying the likenesses across all That's what they want to do, yes. Yeah. Well, the, But also the timeline makes it sound, or the development timeline seems like they probably started on this game right after 11. Hmm. Right. Because it has not been that long. Yeah, this, this article posits a possible September 2023, yeah. but, but they also, you know, they go out of their way to say that that's, you know, that could change. Of course yeah. it could, but the yeah. thing is, right now, the current indication seems to be that we might be getting new games from three, the three biggest fighting game franchises in the world <laughs> this year, which is yeah. kind of wild. Yeah, that's, that's pretty nice. Yeah, 11 was also a pretty quick announce to release. We'll see. So I, Again, I believe this. I don't even know which one I'm more excited for. All three of these games <laughs> actually seem really exciting to me. Street Fighter Six seems really interesting yeah. for the first time in a while for a Street Fighter game, but I... I think it's got to be this one for me just because what they did with the last one was so outlandish that I am totally whether I end up liking the new game or not. I'm just so fascinated to see what they came up with to follow that up. I think that's what it is. It's the follow up from 11 for me that makes me excited about MK, whatever number they're going to attach to this thing. It's how long Tekken 7 was good. That has me really curious about what they're going to do for eight, like what they're keeping, what they're changing, all that stuff. And then the fact that Street Fighter five just did not really hit for me. Now I'm like, oh, they're taking Street Fighter in some interesting new directions. Let's see. I'm curious about what they've done there. It's different approaches, different reasons for being excited. But I think all those games could potentially be great. It's Mortal Kombat for me by a long shot, even though I'm not a huge Mortal Kombat uh, combat person like the competitive mm-hmm. playing it's just their narrative stuff is so funny and so like and so it's gotten well, so, so well done like their chops for that stuff have really really developed yeah. over the last three games the, the writing and the dramatic especially the dramatic presentation of the 11 story was just like gobsmacking in terms of how good it was by fighting game standards 
Yeah, as like, like I'm a person who plays fighting games like a single player game, which for a lot of fighting games that doesn't work out very well. But for Mortal Kombat, it works. For MK, they found a way to make it work. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. value there for me. Yeah, and you know, again, I think I didn't think ten was an amazing story. Like nine, nine is cool, but it's kind of a retelling of those first games. But like eleven at the end, when you get into that montage with Liu Kang and Raiden and stuff mm-hmm. at the end, like you're it's, it's straight up pumping your fist, jumping out of your chair, shit. And the DLC cool. campaign's good too if you haven't if you haven't actually played through that. Uh, all right, that is Mortal Kombat. Like I said, <laughs> you're you're either laughing, having a good time listening to us talk about that, or maybe you're hearing it uh, over on the Patreon side, wondering what's going to happen as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, also curious to see what it looks like. This says that it is current consoles only, not last gen. So interesting. Okay, Eleven was a very good looking game already. I don't know if I want those games to look any better. Already. Yeah, man. I don't know. There's a certain point where it's like you can count the number of like <laughs> veins coming out of the stomach that is yeah. falling out of the guy, and it's like I don't need that. Uh, yeah. Actually, it's it's almost too good looking. I love horror, but I think maybe you have reached the ceiling of what I want from that stuff. Uh, next up in the news here, Brad, you put this story in here just to make everyone depressed uh, about the Pac-Man, uh, Pac-Man '99. Uh, easy come, easy go. This- story ran ice water through my veins because <laughs> I thought Pac-Man 99 was neat. I'm not going to uh, miss it terribly, but they better not touch Tetris 99. Mm. I think people still play that game is the thing. Yeah. Uh, I haven't played it in a while, but last time I played, it was like you were still getting into hundred person matches instantly. Tetris uh, 99 is incredible. Um, yes. They are shutting down Pac-Man 99 in October. Yes. Which, uh, Certainly raises questions about the sort of free promotional game that um, Nintendo has traded in with the Nintendo Switch Online stuff. I guess it's not as big a thing with PlayStation Plus or the K-Pass is its own thing. Nintendo's kind of unique in this, like, hey, we made games and you can only play them by getting on the service kind of thing. Yeah, I but, mean, there was but, there, you could pay in for DLC in this, so, too. So from, from a Just from a preservation ongoing availability standpoint, the fact that this is just going away whatever it's not the first time games have just up and vanished but it still sucks uh you'll still be able to play the like basically single player mode the cpu mode but that's i don't yeah. know if that's why you were coming to pac-man 99 probably not yeah and that's well, only I mean, if you bought into the dlc already which i guess you could still do if you want to just keep the game in yeah. some form but yeah without the multiplayer eh. that's right. the thing is i'm not sure people really were coming back to pac-man 99 no that much. yeah i mean they you know if it was still doing gangbusters they wouldn't be shutting it down of course but yeah it was very okay just don't fucking touch Tetris 99 <laughs> i'm with you i don't even play that game much anymore but like i want access to that thing forever yes uh if you are some kind of completionist or i don't know what you're doing but if you want to get the DLC stuff that is, you can get that until September and then you're going to be locked out of that. And then yeah. oh, actually, sorry. The, the other thing I forgot to mention is that there is, there is the involvement of Bandai Namco here, which may have something to do with this shutting down. Mm-hmm. Um, like developer. there's a licensing deal signed that hasn't since expired. Yeah. Or they just, they don't see the value in continuing it. Um, same developer. It was Arika that did both of the 99s. Um, but maybe Tetris is safer without a third-party publisher involved maybe maybe tip your hat is anyone truly safe just just let me have this uh is anyone truly safe is nicholas cage truly safe oh man 
put Nick Cage in a video game. Didn't see this one coming. Gotta be honest with you. <laughs> uh, Alex Navarro, Nick Cage is going to be in Dead by Daylight, a game I don't really know that much about, but other than I know it's very popular. It's very popular. It's an asymmetrical multiplayer uh, game where, you know, horror movie monsters stalk survivors. Uh, and so they have, over the years, gathered a whole bunch of different uh, movie monsters and characters from popular horror films uh, to to appear in those games in a, in a very Fortnite kind of way, the way they go about their licensing. Um, and today, a teaser dropped that just says... It's the performance of a lifetime. <laughs> Dead by Daylight, Nicolas Cage. Coming to uh, a realm near you. Learn more on July 5th. And it is literally just a teaser video that shows his in-game model and a little tiny bit of narration. Is that you? What do you mean? The, vo- the voiceover? As in, like, him saying that stuff? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they got him to record some voice lines, it sounds like, yeah. I... So he would be the one stalking you. You don't play as Nicholas. I don't know. He could be a survivor is the thing. They could make him a survivor character instead of a monster character. I, I would probably, since they're not showing him in some kind of monster form, Uh I'm guessing he's playing a survivor, but I have no idea. Here's the real thing. This is the first time Nicolas Cage has been in a video game. that's, That's what I was waiting to ask was surely this can't be the first polygonal cage ever. It's possible there is some version of his likeness in some other licensed game from, like, an earlier movie he was in, but nothing he's ever voiced, nothing where he has lent his specific likeness to. I mean, you can count that Lost Planet 3 game where the lead character just does look an awful lot like him, despite definitely not being portrayed or played by Nicolas Cage, but no, this is it. This is really the first time he has appeared in a video game like this. Certainly the highest fidelity polygonal admission Nicholas Cage ever. Oh, th- that guy's going to get modded into so much steam porn. And I, to, him, <laughs> to me, I, I say, Mwah, go with God. Uh, maybe this opens the door to him being in something else. Maybe, he, maybe he'll maybe he enjoy this process. And I want to emphasize, he's not doing this for tax reasons. He has said over and over again his tax lien stuff is mostly done with at this point. <laughs> he has and said over and over again? He has In recent interviews, he says, okay. I'm not taking projects just to pay the okay. bills anymore. That's a weird interview question, but I'm glad he's well, addressing no, it. His entire 2010s run uh, primarily is movies he took to pay off those tax bills. What's your excuse now, Nick? That was, that was like the whole story about him for a while was he'll just do anything because he needs the money badly. Well, now he'll do anything because he likes working is the thing. Yeah. And I, he is being slightly more selective about the projects he takes, though. They're not all bangers. Uh, I saw Renfield last night. It was uh, it wasn't great. How, oh, how okay. much is he in it? He's in a good chunk of it. I think okay. it's been slightly overstated that he's not. I mean, he's not in enough of it, but he's not absent for long stretches of it. He does come back regularly, and I think he is having fun. Um, I think he's pretty good at it. Ben Schwartz as the bad guy. He's hamming it up real hard, despite the fact that, that character is terrible. But I'll give is, him credit. He makes more out of it than he should. Is he also playing a vampire? No, he's a gangster who becomes a, a well, I, I don't want to spoil it, but he, okay. he gets involved in the, the Dracula plot. But uh, it's about 40% of a good movie and 60% of a deeply confused and annoying movie. So that's unfortunate. But Cage is good in it. That's, that's cool. I, I have to continually remind myself how huge Dead by Daylight is. It's massive. It, like, it as huge. these asymmetrical games go, it is one of the biggest. Yeah. Is there is there still just Dead by Daylight, not Dead by Daylight Two? Is it? I just... don't believe they have tried to follow that okay. up with a sequel at this stage. Uh, 
apparently you can find out more on July 5th, but yeah, Nick Cage, come, um, come join some other games. There's plenty. We're going to have to play that game once at least when (laughs) this comes out, I'm going to insist on that right now. Uh I'm putting it on record. Yes. I will contact Abby Russell right now. All (laughs) right. We will get a crew together for, uh, at least with Nick Cage. I, I wonder, yes. I don't even know if it's random. I don't know if you get uh, to choose. I think you can just pick, so I think you can pick skins or specific okay. characters for that stuff. Again, I have not played any Dead by Daylight. I'm just going off what I vaguely know from watching other people play it. Okay. Uh, find out more again July 5th. Uh, speaking of which, we're going to close out the news here, but we uh, just were informed, along with everybody else maybe, that Sony is doing their PlayStation Showcase, which, um, according to at least Polygon's story here, they're billing as E3-ish. So this is uh, maybe their big one ahead of E3, which is barreling down the road. Or, sorry, when I say E3, you know what I mean. Yes. The E3 season, because E3 is obviously not a thing. It's uh, the summer of games now, okay? Yes. <laughs> sorry, Yes. Uh, but their uh, Sony's uh, PlayStation showcase is scheduled for May 24th at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1, paci- 1 p.m. Pacific. Yeah, uh, not not a state of play. Not no. a state of play. So uh, stuff that is being teased as being shown here, things like Spider-Man 2. Uh, this, so that's just a breakdown of what Sony's got announced. They're yes. obviously not saying what's coming. No, just yet. no, they don't yeah, know yeah, yet. Yeah. But uh, things that... Um, uh, could also be shown here or that have not been shown in further detail. Uh, the horizon multiplayer stuff. Um, God, I forgot that was even happening. Yeah. The, um, there's uh, last of us multiplayer stuff, last of us multiplayer stuff. Uh, Knights of the old Republic hasn't shown in a while that, that remake. And you know, uh, the, their PlayStation blog is saying it's going to run for about an hour. So that's a pretty good chunk of time at the clip. They usually go through games. um, and they do say the blog again. This is this is PlayStation's blog says there will be uh, PSVR two stuff that is in development from the top top studios uh, and new stuff. They're saying so mm-hmm. uh, unannounced stuff. So this is kind of a big deal for Sony's upcoming titles or maybe stuff that's in development. We will obviously um, cover it in some capacity. We're not sure exactly what we're going to do that. That hits right when we're recording this podcast. So uh, we'll figure out uh, next week whether we are going to pause that to talk over it or pause it to probably just talk within the podcast. We'll figure that out. Um, Either way, we should be able to have something to say about what they showed on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's starting. The E3 season is upon us next week. This is earlier than I thought. I I realized Sony was going to do something this summer. Um, I thought they would hit around, you know, middle of June. Let's, I'm trying to remember how they've been doing things, or even how they were doing things before, uh, back when they pulled out of E3, when E3 still existed. Um, were they going early? I don't remember. I, th- I feel like maybe in 2019 they did go before E3 Okay. with something. Uh, this Polygon story points out that PlayStation Showcase is the name they used for the stream where they revealed the PlayStation 5. Oh, okay. So, give you an idea of what kind of how they regard this type of presentation. <laughs> the caliber of the showcase. Um, yeah, look forward to it on the 24th. I think Microsoft also scheduled theirs, but that's not for, uh, I think that's a month out. 12th, I think 12th of June, I believe got some time on that one. Uh, that's going to do it for the news. Uh, 11th. I'm sorry. 11th. Okay. So, uh, you know what? We got like three and a half weeks ish before that one. That's it for the news. 
Uh, again, you can, uh, um, or not again for the first time, Overwatch stuff, uh, the Vice News, the MK reboot, which you probably know about already, Pac-Man 99, Nick Cage and Dead by Daylight, and that Sony PlayStation Showcase that'll be happening live next week. We also have an email address. That email address is podcast at nextlander.com. Podcast at nextlander.com. Brad, do you want to pull an email? We got a little time yeah, here. I got, I got a couple here. Okay. Uh, comment from Nate. We talked about the possible Nintendo Cinematic Universe on some podcast or other recently. Um, Nate writes in, Nintendo Cinematic Universe is definitely going to happen after the rampant success of the Mario movie with the Avengers of this thing being Super Smash Brothers. Like, I don't know how I didn't think of that when we talked about it last time. Oh, of course, God. Of course there's going to be a Smash movie and it's going to be the thing that unites all the brands. Yeah, you're right. Um... Nate also asks, do you think we'll get a Star Fox movie and should we? I feel negligent having not thought of that when we were listing Nintendo franchises that could get movies. That one seems more likely than Zelda to me, actually. Not in terms of popularity, but in terms of, like, could you make a good animated movie out of this? Yeah, like that's you, where I'm having trouble with it. Is I, I want a live-action Star Fox why because like, well, i i want I, that's what i want i want like howard the duckish puppetry and you know all right as long as you know what you're anymore. asking for <laughs> that's what i want okay or maybe maybe more of a um sonic like a sonic style yeah i here's the thing i just don't think Star Fox is big enough at this stage for them no to no yeah again again i mean yeah popularity wise i don't know if it makes sense I feel like he gets Star um, Fox as a cameo somewhere versus a whole. That's movie. an animated series. Mm. That yeah, okay. That's like Goes. a Netflix series. That's not a movie. Uh, yeah. I right. look. Cash those checks, Nintendo. I, dude, they are. <laughs> yeah, they definitely are. They extremely are. Trust me. Like, now, Numa was also out there talking about the possibility of a Zelda movie or TV show. Sure. In, in the wake of this of this game doing so well. Sure. I think, I think his general comment was something like, I would love to, but it's not up to me. Uh, Why would they? They got it right the first time with that first cartoon series. Yeah, of course. I think he's getting points on all that stuff. I don't know. I kind of hope so, but like, I don't know Japan what Nintendo's, might be weird. Yeah. I don't know what their profit sharing methods are, if they even have them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of it, you know, the, I think the, the corporate culture obviously is somewhat different, but you know, usually like, high-level creatives are retained on some kind of contractual basis, right? Well, and on top of that, but, like, and I saw a lot of people talking about this in in the wake of, of Tears of the Kingdom coming out. They're unique in the sense that they tend to retain talent for long stretches of time. Like, a lot yeah. of the people that worked on this game have been working on Zelda for at least the last 20 years. Yeah, I mean, he, he succeeded Miyamoto in running the franchise, mm -hmm. if that tells you anything. <laughs> there have not been a lot of showrunners for this thing. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. I hope. So. I kind of hope so. Um, what Brad, a movie? No, no, like, like, like financial. Um, oh, oh, sorry, I forgot yeah, which yeah. question we yeah, were yeah. talking about. No, no, <laughs> no, not not a Star Fox movie. That um, those creators, like, when a movie or a property comes out, they see some return on you know because they built those franchises. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, we know how bad like Marvel has been about a lot of that stuff and paying mm -hmm. artists and and creators that that created the comics. They are now making billions off of in movies. But I, I again, I don't know. Nintendo's such a black box with that yeah. stuff. I have truly no idea like what level they are they are rewarding people for that work. 
And then, uh, you know, Japanese developers from the time when they had to obscure their names in the credits to now. Yes. I, I hope so they wouldn't get pilfered. Yeah. Uh, Brad, do you want to do another email? Yes. Um, question from TJ. Yes, I've recently TJ. introduced my five-year-old to Mario Kart on the Switch, and he loves it. Okay. He quickly figured out that Mario was the main character and wants to play as him every time. We also recently went to a Mario-themed birthday party where all the kids went home with a gift bag that had a random Lego Mario character. My two kids came home with Wario and Waluigi, and they had some questions. Uh-huh. I've played a lot of Mario games, but never one that had any real characterizations of these two. I think they are tricksters, but don't know anything else about them. How do I explain Wario and Waluigi to a five-year-old? There are two men who love each other very much. <laughs> <laughs> and garlic right one of yeah. them one of them also loves garlic i think they and, both do secretly but yes i don't know i it's i don't actually think nintendo has ever actually codified the nature of their relationship sometimes they say they're brothers sometimes they say they're friends they're just i forget there's one quote out there's like they're just two evil guys who found each other which i think <laughs> is maybe my favorite explanation of that um uh, but i think that's the one you tell your kid is like they're two evil guys that hang out I, it's is Wario kind of the brains of the operation and like Waluigi? I think they share a single brain cell. Okay. I mean, Wario's a businessman. He's just out there trying to make not some Not a very bucks, good right? one. No, he might not be a good one, but he's he's like an entrepreneur. He's always out there trying yeah, to- Yeah, he's selling his wares. We know. He's selling his wares. I feel like Waluigi is maybe more uh, like Joker-esque, just pure chaos, where- Wario wants to get paid, and I don't know what Waluigi wants. Just Waluigi, to be in games. I mean, look, Waluigi has the look and vibe of a guy who ties women to railroad tracks, but <laughs> I don't really know what his motivations are other than apparently he likes tennis. Yeah. I mean, that's where he first appeared, right? It was yeah. one of those Mario tennis games, I think. They just needed a fourth, maybe. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I would say, if you, okay. As somebody who would have to explain it, I would say they're the evil Mario and Luigi. That's it. Yeah, they're that's, Bizarro. That's, they're yeah. the Bizarro versions of the characters you know and love. They're yeah, like, they're, yeah. they're Mario, but with a mustache. There yeah. you go. Uh, the, with a mustache, but with a mustache? With a squiggly same? mustache. Yeah, with a different, slightly different yeah. mustache. Yes. Um, that Mario right. movie, by the way, that's, uh, that's out on streaming now. Oh, already? Yes. Yeah. They, oh, just, wow. they just put it out this week on streaming. Digital oh, only so far. It's like the, the week my son has not asked. He's <laughs> yeah. fallen down. Um, just don't bring it up. Yeah, well, listen, I like that movie. I'd watch it. Well, I'm going to watch They've it seen it twice point. now. Uh, any more emails? Um, do one more here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here's one from Nia. On the latest Never Been a Better podcast, you were talking about uh -oh. anesthesia, and Abby mentioned, what if you woke up during surgery? Oh, oh dear boy. God. Now, why are we doing this? Well, I... Hey... Uh, well, I went in for surgery once, and I woke up to someone tugging at my arm to wake me up. Oh. Only it wasn't that. Instead, I opened my eyes to see that the surgeon was reattaching a tendon in my wrist with the determination and force of a car mechanic trying to work on a miracle on a rusted old Honda. Oh, I'm so upset. It's... It, did, it didn't take long for them to notice <laughs> I had woken up. And I will stress that my bean was well-baked, so I did not mind and instead went back to sleep. Was uh, but Nia remembered? That's saw, the part that Abby was like, would you remember? Apparently. Oh, boy. I saw, I saw a movie as a kid about someone being conscious but paralyzed for a heart transplant once, and it had haunted me to that day. 
Yet it was somehow comforting to be reassured, to be reassured that as with most things in life, drugs make all the difference. Oh, 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 oh I was going to thank you, um, Brad, but now I don't. Thanks for everybody sending in the emails. Oh, that mm -hmm. is. What is it going on on that podcast? <laughs> That's a good question. Nothing good, man. Trust That's me. That's a good question. Um, hey, listen, out of all the things it could have been about that podcast, at least that was, at least it wasn't about poop. Um, all right. That's going to do it for the emails and that's going to pretty much do it for the show. Uh, games we covered here today, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Humanity and Cook Serve Forever all out now, all available on various consoles and platforms. We've got the watch cast going on. We are nearing the end of some, is it some guys are coming to kill us? Is that the, yeah, rule? that's what I've been saying. Okay. Uh, and that means that we have now recorded our thoughts on the raid that yeah, will go up next week. If you're, if you're keeping up, but, uh, currently up on the Watchcast feed, you can check out judgment night where we talk a lot about judgment Knight's soundtrack, rap rock, and some about the movie, mm -hmm. uh, the judgment night movie. And that's all on the Watchcast. Uh, like Brad mentioned, we have never been a better podcast up. That was a, a one with, uh, uh, Brad and, and Austin and Abby and Bacalar, uh, shenanigans happening over there. That's over on the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash nextlander along with the ramble cast and all the other goodies there. You can go check it out. Find yourself a tier that works right for you, for, for you. Uh, there is one tier there that gets their name read on this here podcast. It is the mysterious benefactor tier. I'm going to read those names of our mysterious benefactors right here, right now. Starting with RRE, John Richardson, Vornak, Park, Kelly F., James Smith, Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, Gary Pejke, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Hashtag Bunny Crimes, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Razgriz2, Brian Murphy, Trevor and Adrian R, Randy Duax, Andrew Tiebkin, Alex Wu, It Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos and Tyler Treese. Those are the mysterious benefactors for this week. Thank you very much to those mysterious benefactors. And thank you to everyone who has supported us over at patreon.com slash nextlander. Have I mentioned we couldn't do it without you? I don't know if I mentioned that before. It's true. It is. It is. True. It's impossible can't, can't, to do can't it. Mention it enough. It is. It is true. Uh, and thanks everybody for supporting us over on Twitch, YouTube, and listening to this here podcast and the Watchcast. We do appreciate that as well. That is going to do it for this week's show. Do not be angry at me because I'm not enjoying your Zelda game as much as you are. I'm I don't think you to have to have throw have that in there. I I'm, think it's. I'd like to think our people understand that you are people having a good time. People do not understand, but I am not ashamed 
to say I am liking it but not loving it. But people get people get weird about it. We know hey, this. We all on know the, on this. The internet. What? We all know this. My I'm joke. I'm joking around. I'm ha- I'm three quarters of the way joking, and those one quarter people back off. Back, back, off. back off. I, I, I know we're like five months in already, but I'm just going to say 2023, the year of living and letting live. That's right. Live how and about, let live. How about it? I'll tell you this. I hope that game gets better because it sucks. No, I'm just, oh my God. <laughs> I hope it gets better. I'm looking forward to it getting okay, better. Let's race. What's that? Let's let's race. Am yes. I going to finish Breath of the Wild or are you going to finish Tears of the Kingdom? First? I am very curious if you're going to finish Breath of the Wild. I... I'm, I'm real, like I said, I'm really trucking through it this time. Yeah. I just wonder if you're going to finish Breath of the Wild and have the, the stamina to jump right into Tears of the Kingdom and be like, you <laughs> might be in a situation where you're like, oh man, I don't know. I, I wonder if that leads to maybe a more streamlined experience because you don't want to explore and piddle around as much and you just kind of want to go through it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I look forward to more ridiculous gifts of penises taking on giant enemies and floating around. It's and true. making my own penises in, in Tears of the Kingdom. Every penis is a gift. <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for our show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for supporting us. We'll be back next week. 